The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Diego ready to go with the first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series as they knock off the New York Yankees 2-1. to one. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Just a swing and a drive, hit well on the air towards right. Mookie Betts going back to the wall. Gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arozarena, number 10 of the postseason. It's one nothing Rays. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning and welcome to our show. Today we chat with Brett Phillips on his birthday. Doug Wechter from Bally Sports Sun joins us to discuss another really good week for Tampa Bay. Prospects Joe Ryan and Trevor Brigden discuss being invited to Olympic qualifiers. Plus, we update the Tommy John rehab of Colin Pochet and discuss Ray's defense with Mark Simon of Sports Info Solutions. Well, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and our featured guest is uh, probably a first on the program. That's because I think this is the first time I've ever had someone on the show on their birthday, and that is Brett Phillips. Brett, happy birthday, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, glad to be welcomed. Tell me uh, what has, this certainly isn't your best birthday moment, uh, but of your birthdays, tell me what is and what sticks out, whether it's on or off the field. You know, actually, I was just talking to my mom uh, yesterday. And this is the first time since 2012 that I'll be celebrating my birthday here in my hometown, which is pretty crazy uh, to think about, you know, because I got drafted in 2012 to the Houston Astros and uh, started my baseball career then. And then during the summer, I'm usually in a, in a different state and I, I never get to celebrate with my family. So this is uh, it's pretty cool. I'm playing for the hometown team and i get to celebrate my birthday with uh the family this year which is super important to me i I would guess prior to that what counts as an awesome birthday you remember either growing up as a kid or uh you know probably those birthdays as a kid that uh, i don't have any in specifically but just when all the your friends get to come over for a pool party and you know, eat pizza and all that, all that fun stuff. Well, let's hope there's certainly some kind of special moment uh, with the Rays today for you and your teammates. You've had some special moments. As you look back to the game four moment, what is going to stick with you forever through all that? You know, honestly, the amount of love I received after the fact, I, I think that was the biggest takeaway, something that was super and super cool to to see and important to me is the amount of people that just were genuinely happy for me in that moment. The moment was really cool in itself. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from that, but just being around my teammates and enjoying that with them at that time was, you know, one of the best moments of my life. And it's, it, it was just really cool to see the the support that I received from, from everyone around me. Uh, a feeling that I'll never forget. I know when I chatted with Mike Brasso about the homer he hit off for Aldis Chapman, you know, he thought it was cool that, uh, you know, even on Twitter he got a message from from Bryce Harper, who he admired. Was there anyone who you got a message from, whether it was a tweet or Instagram or a text, out of the blue that you're like, wow, uh, I didn't expect that, and that was pretty cool? You know, I had I, I had over 800 text messages that night come onto the phone, and I had received a, a lot of text messages from guys, veteran guys who I played with. Uh, I'm not going to name them because there, there was quite a few, but veteran guys I'd played with 
uh, that I had no clue that even, you know, really kept up with me or, you know, even just, they just took the time to, to message me or a lot of them had videos of the moment they were videotaping it and then their reactions. And uh, that was just really, really cool for me. And, you know, I was super appreciative, but overall, I was appreciative of everyone who reached out. I know you have enjoyed playing for the hometown team, but I think you've also enjoyed this environment. What has made this environment more special, not to knock any others that you've been with? Yeah, you know, I can't speak highly enough about the guys I'm surrounded by when it, you know, starting with the front office from the coaching staff down to the the clubhouse guys and the trainers and then ultimately my teammates. You know, usually when you're on a team, you have one or two guys, uh, let's just say a handful of guys that, you know, are not necessarily good teammates or you, you try and avoid. But, you know, in this organization, this team, I can't say that about any of them. Everyone picks everybody up. Everyone comes to the ballpark with with good energy and good attitude. Everyone wants to see everyone do well on a daily basis. And that's why you see so many guys come through clutch is because everyone believes in each other. Everyone picks each other up. Everyone wants to see the best for each other. And, you know, that's a, we have a special, special thing going on over there. And like I said, I couldn't speak more highly about everyone over there. Well, I think it speaks highly, especially to the environment when the Rays made a trade as they did involving Willie Adamas. And this team continues the run it's been on. And there were several players who said having guys in the clubhouse like Brett mean a lot because of the energy he brings every day. What does it mean to you to hear something like that? Oh, man, it means a lot. That's very nice, and I appreciate it. But, again, to be on the Rays, to be a member of the Rays, I feel like you have to have that kind of personality, that kind of outlook, and, and bring that kind of energy because everyone does. I appreciate them saying that about me, but I mean, the guys saying that about me are the guys who are doing the same exact thing. That's the raise as an organization. Uh, we're all about giving energy. And I, I've said it in one of my interviews before, there's two types of people. You know, there, there's energy givers and there's energy takers. And with the Rays, we all give energy and, and it shows. When the Mets came to town on the last homestand, Pete Alonso said the special thing about Brett Phillips is he's the same guy that I knew when I played with him in, in Legion Ball, in Travel Ball. What do you remember about those days back then? And where does the joy come from that you had back then? Yeah, no, he's right. You know, the only thing that's changed is I've gotten a little bigger physically, mentally, um, just the same same kid at heart, you know, just playing this game for the for the fun of it. And, uh, you know, I, people always like to, like to hear when I say baseball is fun. It is. It's It's been fun ever since I was growing up. And I just never let the business side of things take over like most people do. I'm just going to continue to play this game for fun enjoy it, play hard, and uh, nothing. there's nothing more I, I would want to do. So in your family, who's got that joyous personality that, you know, is it your mom? Is it your dad? Is it a grandparent? Yeah, my mom. Yeah, my mom and my sister, we're all, we're all the same. Uh, just that go happy, go lucky outlook on life. And yeah, I mean, I guess I got to give, give the credit to my mom. Have, has it ever been difficult for you to enjoy moments in the game? Because, I mean, you talk to teammates and they all rave about you wherever you've been. <laughs> no, never. I, I just, I never want to be the guy with mixed reviews. I never, I never want them to be like, oh, you know, he's a good guy, but I never want that but at the end of a sentence when someone's talking about Brett Phillips. So I just, each and every day, 
wake up with the same outlook, same energy, and regardless of the circumstances and showing up to the field every day, how can you have a, a like a bad attitude, I guess you could say? Obviously, I know things happen in your personal life that could alter the state of your mind, but if that if you have nothing going on, I just feel like it's hard to to show up to play baseball with a bad attitude uh, because there's a lot worse things that you could be doing. Well, I mean, I think it speaks to the fact that you're wearing number 35 now. And, you know, as as a teenager, to lose a friend in Nate Richardson, you have turned that into the ultimate positive by honoring him by wearing his jersey number now with the Rays. Yeah, you know, that was something I've always wanted to do entering pro ball. I told uh, Brad, Back when I got drafted, when I made it to the big leagues, I, I wanted to wear number 35 to honor Nate. Uh, I just never really had the opportunity, whether it was taken with Milwaukee or I was already assigned a number in Kansas City. But, you know, after last year when when Nate Lowe got traded, he was wearing number 35, which is a pretty cool story in itself that when I got traded over here, a guy by the name of Nate was wearing my best friend's, you know, number growing up. I wanted to to wear it and grab it, and you know I I appreciate the Rays making that happen. It's really cool for the Richardson family to see the number thirty five each and every night when they turn on the TV that uh, his his name's still alive around here and everyone still thinks about him. And obviously, before this even happened, you know, in the off season after you had the great moment in Game Four, I thought one of the the really great things that you were doing was the fact that you were out doing community work. And, and the fact that you had had such a big moment, you really were using it almost as a platform. You know, I, I take a lot of pride in that. At the end of the day, the fans are the number one priority. They're the number one reason that baseball is a sport. Uh, if you think about it, without fans, baseball would have fizzled out years ago. So uh, I take a lot of pride in thanking them and showing my appreciation to them. And then it goes a little deeper because this is my hometown. I grew up rooting for the Rays. If I was a kid, my eight, nine-year-old self would, would want to see a Rays player, would want to meet a Rays player to see how they are. So, you know, I take a lot of pride in that, knowing that, you know, this, it means a little more to me. This is my hometown. So, you know, take advantage of the platform, go out, show the, show the fans that you appreciate them. And because there's a nine-year-old boy out there who wants to play for the Rays one day, and, and you got to set a good example for him. And obviously you were one of those kids at one point as a nine-year-old. What is your best memory as a nine-year-old watching the Rays? We we did the, it was the, at the time, the St. Pete Times new, newspapers. Uh, they The Rays set it up where you could go out there as a team and sell newspapers, and then you got to go into the game. And I'll never forget out there selling newspapers to people walking in. I think they're like a dollar or something. And they were just the best moments because as a team, you got to watch the Rays play. Uh, back then, you know, Carl Crawford, BJ Upton, guys like that, Matt Garza that uh, I got to watch growing up. And then uh, it was funny because then when I got tr- traded over to the Brewers, I got to play with Matt Garza. So uh, that was a pretty cool story. So did you actually get to run on the field with, with the team, with, with your team? No, no. We never got to run on the field. It was just watch the game. but. Back in 97, uh, they the, the Rays' first Fan Fest, it was 96 or 97, my grandma actually took me and my sister to the very first Rays Fan Fest, and I remember getting, getting to run the bases. I still have a photo as a kid, so that was, that's pretty cool, too. Indeed it is. And I heard a lot about you before you even came to the Rays. Um, 
your your video game playing abilities uh, got a lot of attention. Matt Duffy used to talk about how much fun he had playing with you. Are you still a big gamer? Yeah, Duffy and I, we game, uh, you know, this year I haven't gamed as much, but, you know, in the off season when I have a little more time, um, I, I enjoy gaming and I always tell people it's just a competitive you know, I need to compete somehow, some way if I'm not playing baseball. But yeah, shout out to Matt Duffy. We've been gaming now for the last five, six years. He's a great guy. So who's a better who's a better player when you guys are teammates? Oh, Duffy. He's he's a lot more uh he's he's a lot more sound with his mechanics. What's what's the game of choice? Uh we've been playing some Call of Duty, Warzone. And do you play uh do you ever play MLB the show? And if so, do you play how often do you play as yourself? Yeah, um I played I've played a lot of MLB the show. You know, Brett Phillips is an MLB the show player. We gotta work on those ratings. You know, he's good in the outfield, but we need him hitting better and hopefully at the end of this year put together some good numbers. I can talk to those the Sony people and make sure those offensive numbers have gone up. <laughs> well, in the meantime, I'm sure there's some good moments for you on the field with your ball club. Hopefully it's a great birthday on the field, and we certainly appreciate some time on our latest This Week in Rays Baseball. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. Raise up. Let's go. Hope to see all you fans out there. We appreciate you guys on a daily basis, whether you're watching from home or at the field. So thank you guys for all your support. That's Brett Phillips, and we'll continue right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball. Let's take a look at the week gone by with a guy from uh, Bally Sports Sun who is still part of the biggest win streak in franchise history. That's Doug Wechter. Doug, was this like the Miami Dolphins? Did you guys light a cigar after your your 12-game win streak stayed as the, the longest in franchise history? Or what's the deal there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not exactly, Neil. Uh, I, uh, the way I compare it is since, you know, our 12-game win streak almost accounted for half the wins the entire season, it was a big deal for us back then. The way they've been going about their business now, winning 11 in a row, no doubt has been nice, but it wasn't as special as it was before because we were just not that good of a baseball team. And then you look at what they've done here recently. Boy, you know, anytime you win 11 games in a row in the major leagues, obviously that's that's something pretty special. But these guys have been winning at such a high clip. There's no reason to think they can't do it again this year, right? And so uh, going back to your question, there's no real celebrations. The only thing I'm looking forward to is uh, looking for these guys to hopefully break that 12-game streak at some point in time later this season. That certainly would be nice. And even even on the night they lost, and obviously uh, tongue firmly in cheek on the whole Miami Dolphins comparison with the, the unbeaten season. But, you know, from your standpoint – uh, even on the night they lost, Rich Hill had maybe the best night pitching in his career. I think Rich Hill has been absolutely outstanding over the last four or five starts. And, you know, obviously the numbers can back that up. The first four starts of the season for him, he gave up four runs in each. And when he went out there, you just could tell that his curveball wasn't the, the same curveball that we've seen in the past from Rich Hill. Uh, the fastball didn't have the same amount of zip. You know, he's throwing strikes, but he wasn't commanding the stuff inside the zone. And then you fast forward to the last, you know, I would say four or five outings, and the command of the fastball has been outstanding. He's been able to throw it wherever he wants to, specifically up in the zone whenever he wants to. And he's pitching on that curveball, and the curveball has that extra tilt back to it. It's just been a lot of fun to watch. He's a veteran guy who now has his stuff back, and his stuff could be as best as it's ever been in his career. And because he's got his stuff because he's got that maturity level and the experience um, there is no reason that this guy can't put together one of the best seasons he's ever had 
Uh, he's really rolling right now, and it's been fun to watch. And I'll tell you one more thing that I've been very impressed with. He's he's almost pitching backwards for a guy known for his curveball, right? Uh, typically, you go out there and you expect a guy who has this huge curveball with this type of break that nobody really ever sees to go out, and that's where he's getting all his strikeouts. But with Rich Hill lately, he's getting a lot more strikeouts on fastballs than he is on the curveball. At times, he's almost pitching backwards to where he knows the scouting report on him is going to be these hitters sitting back waiting for that curveball. And instead of him throwing it, he'll just go with the fastball and he'll spot that fastball at 90, 91 with some carry to it. And as long as he's putting it where he wants to, he's getting the punch outs on that pitch. So a lot of fun to watch him, a lot of fun to watch him do his thing. And I don't see why he's not going to continue to do his thing for the rest of this year. And he's changing, you know, he, he changes times to the plate. Sometimes he changes arm angle, all the little things that he does. How can that rub off on other young pitchers on this staff, Doug? Oh, my gosh. The feel for the game of what Rich has is uh, second to none, right? He goes out there and, you know, so many young kids, I would say emotionally, just feel like they can't change anything on the rubber, right? Like you go out there, you got to throw this pitch in this situation. Mechanically, you have to be absolutely perfect. And there's no thinking involved. Well, you can see Rich Hill has evolved into the type of pitcher who thinks his way through an outing, right? He feels his way through an outing. He'll go out there, and if he feels like he can get you and set you up on a sidearm, you know, curveball, and then on top of that or behind that, go with a fastball up in the zone just to give you different angles and different looks, well, that's what he's going to do. And there's no reason not to. And, you know, young pitchers can see him go out there and just use his craft to uh, his best ability and actually think and be athletic on the mound, not just be a robot. Uh, And by seeing that from a veteran guy, you know, as a rookie or as a younger guy, you'll take hold of that. You'll start understanding that things work in different ways. You don't have to be that robot on that mound, 60 feet, six inches away from a hitter. You can actually be athletic. You can change arm angles. You can do things outside the box. As long as you're recording outs, it doesn't matter. And uh, watching Rich Hill do that, I think it's going to rub off on some of these younger guys. And also, you know, let's talk about the competitive nature of this guy too, right? Mm -hmm. Rich Hill. I mean, (laughs) you know, obviously with uh, restricted fans and uh, some of the COVID protocols that we dealt with earlier and so far through the season, it's not as loud in the stadium unless you're listening to Rich Hill on the mound. (laughs) Uh, And there is no doubt this dude is one of the most competitive guys you'll ever meet. And vocally, he'll let you know that after a bad pitch. And so, you know, guys are watching this. Guys are seeing how competitive he is, you know, in the later stages of his career. And I think that's rubbing off on uh, some of the younger guys, too, in a good way. And one guy, I don't know how he's rubbed off on him, but I've been so impressed with his mound presence, his poise, and his obviously his pure stuff is Shane McClanahan, especially that last outing that he had against the Royals. Yeah, there's so many things I could talk about Shane McClanahan and how impressed I am with him. Uh, You can start with, obviously, the stuff. You know, this guy's ripping triple digits from the left side with one of the best sliders in the game or one of the top sliders in the game. You know, the mound presence, like you said, Neil, is probably second to none when you're talking about a guy who is so young, who has so little major league experience, but he's still out there and it looks like, you know, nothing faces him. Uh, Those are a couple things you can't teach. Things you can teach and things that I think that he has impressed with so far, uh, at least to me, is the command of the zone. I mean, again, this guy's stuff is off the charts, right? He's going out there throwing 100 miles an hour, uh, and he's able to throw strikes with it, right? Last outing, he faced 17 batters. 13 of them saw first pitch strikes. All he does is pump the strike zone. And I know I talked when we were talking to him earlier, he had mentioned 
in an interview that he and Kyle Snyder have this kind of mantra that they go through. And it's basically saying that there's a sprint to two strikes, right? And what that tells you is I got to get ahead of these guys and I don't want to waste time doing it. Uh, and I think he's been doing a great job of that. Uh, this, I think, I believe he only has seven walks through his first six outings, something like that. You know, and a guy, again, who is that young, throwing that hard to be able to go out there and control the zone the way he does is uh, it's something that is remarkable. And it's something fun to watch because the ability to go out and not be afraid of contact at such a young age is uh, it's a fearlessness that a lot of guys don't have. And Shane McClanahan definitely has. Well, it's certainly helping out to see the young and the old continue to evolve. And let's hope for another win streak, uh, just like the one this group just had. Doug, enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend, and thanks for joining us. I'll tell you what, Neil, if they break my 12-game winning streak, me and you are going to celebrate with some champagne and a cigar. Really good stuff from Doug Wechter of Bally Sports Sun. Before we continue, why don't we pause for station identification. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, W237CW Pinellas Park, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and iHeart Radio Station. We continue on this week in race baseball, and uh, in the race system, they've got a couple guys who are representing their country uh, in the upcoming Olympic qualifiers, and one of them is in Durham, and that's pitcher Joe Ryan. Joe, thanks for a minute, a few minutes, and congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm pretty excited. Tell me how you got the news, and were you expecting something like this? No, not at all. I was uh, at the beach, and Jeff McLaren had called me and asked me and uh, let me know that they were interested in having me come along, and I was pretty excited. I mean, I think it's always been a goal of mine to get to play for Team USA, represent the country, and um, get to put that jersey on, and so many great players have done that before, and you know, I, I think it was just an exciting opportunity and just grateful to get that call. So I was pretty excited, especially with the year and how everything was going and seeing how the Olympics are playing out and everything. It's uh, It should be a fun, fun team to play with. So just to clarify, have you ever had a chance to represent Team USA, be it 14U, 16U, any level all the way up? No, I, I never did. I think I, I went out to uh, North Carolina for a tournament one time with my high school coach and uh, some kids over like for more for just to get some innings in. But yeah, I didn't. I've never been able to to make that team or play for them. So it's an honor, and I'm, I'm pretty excited. Archer texted me this morning and was just congratulating me on that. And it was kind of cool because when I was in college, my coach gave me like a, a card for a bookmark one day, and it was just a USA card. And he's like, I want you to like look at this or whatever every day. And it was actually a Chris Archer USA baseball card. And I remember I, was, I t- told him that in spring and thought it was pretty cool. So um, I was telling him, uh, hopefully that can happen to a, another kid uh, down the line, but my card this time, so that'd be kind of cool. Certainly. I mean, that's an awesome story. When did the, the goal or the hope begin for you to want to play for Team USA? I think just finding out that baseball is going to be back from the Olympics, it sparked my interest, and I, I didn't really, don't really know the details of that and how to be on that team, and so I didn't really think too much about it. I thought it'd be pretty cool if it happened, um, and just... Not really, I wasn't pursuing it in any capacity, but um, always in the back of my mind. So when they called, it was just another honor and to be recognized and to get to go play for that team. It's um, it's pretty exciting. Have you looked up and down the roster? Because there are a lot of big league veterans have, on this yes. group. What's your impressions? Oh, I'm excited. It's uh, 
my agent actually called me and was he was telling me there's a lot of guys on there that they used to represent or, or sorry, still represent and have represented for a long time. And so he was just telling me some good stories and it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to go out there and join those guys, pick their brains, learn from a lot of guys out there. Um, I thought it was cool to see Eddie Alvarez on the team too, played against him in Jacksonville. And I mean, the guys in Olympian already on ice. So it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited to talk to him as well, more about those experiences that he's already had in the Olympics and then getting to play baseball now too. It's pretty cool for him. And the stages are pretty high. This is to get to the Olympics for Team USA. The opportunity to go qualify the team, have, have them go play in the Olympics. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I'm, uh, I'm honored and I think it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal. It'll be fun. Beyond Eddie Alvarez at Jacksonville, anyone else you know that you saw on the roster? Libertor obviously played with him uh, for a little bit. No, we didn't actually play together, but I guess being an instructor with him and a uh, good kid, and uh, it'll be fun to see him go out there and pitch. He, I remember one of the first things he told me that he was so excited to hear baseball was back in the Olympics, and that was like one of his goals two, two years or three years ago now. So, yeah, it's, it's cool to see him on that team and get to go pitch again. Um, yeah, we played against him in uh, Memphis the first series, so got to see him throw there, and it'll be fun to get to – watch him throw again for USA. And in the meantime, this is still part of your pro- progression as you try and get to the big leagues. Tell me how you feel your season has gone to this point, what you've learned playing in AAA for the first time. It's been great. I mean, the, this team is special. Um, just watching and just getting to getting to watch some of the highlights too after the fact. And like there was something today Durham had posted about Wander and just watching those. And if you're watching it on the big screen, it would still be crazy to see um but getting to see it in person it's it's so consistent watching him play and watching JLo and Padlo and Sully and everyone come down here and just destroy baseballs it's been uh pretty pretty fun to watch and then the defensive side I mean having that as a pitcher it's just easy to go throw strikes and know that they're going to back you up I mean it's it's been pretty fun outstanding group and just getting to learn a lot still baseball working on things I mean getting back into the swing of things, having that normal season again, having umpires out there and fans and another team coming in. And it's, it's been great. It's been great to be back there and uh, just playing baseball again without, I guess, less uh, issues with COVID. What are the things that you've liked about what you've done so far and where do you want to grow going forward to hopefully get that first big league opportunity? I think just keeping the mental side strong and just taking it day by day and building on previous outings, building on, previous day in catch play, um, in bullpen work, whatever we're working on there to try to make my pitchers as consistent and the best they can be so that when I get to the big leagues, it's not, uh, I don't have to reinvent anything or change anything and I can just go do my thing and pitch. I've been pitching. So that's my main focus, I guess, being here and just using this time and valuing each day. I mean, it's an honor to play for the Durham Bulls as well. So it's great to be here, but um, yeah, obviously the big leagues is the next step, but I think just staying where my feet are at and working on honing my pitches and just yeah, being as consistent as I can be. We all know about how special your fastball is. How have you felt about the way the other pitches have come on and how you're using them so far? Yeah, the slider has been a pitch I've been working on at the alternate site and locking that in now. It's been great to get some good reps with that. It just feels it's right there with my fastball now and usage where I can go to that anytime I want. I'm comfortable throwing it in any count, anytime, and it feels great. So yeah, I think just having that feel for a 
a solid secondary that's been really effective. I think that's obviously very important in the, in the game and uh, in my position. But I think that then I, I haven't really had that in my life uh, or in my career, I guess, where I've been having to use a secondary too much. And it's been good to see like how that affects the game um, a little bit more. I could rely on my fastball pretty heavily and I, I still can. It's just, it's nice to be able to pull hitters a little bit more with another pitch and then having the changeup in the mix too. It's, that's been another great pitch to have. I, I haven't been using it as, as much as I can. And um, I think just as the season progresses, that pitch is going to get uh, quite a bit more use. It's been feeling great. And I've liked how that pitch has been there in the back pocket the whole time. So Changer feels money. And then the curveball was just thrown it the other day. So that might be coming back pretty soon. It's been, uh, it's looking a lot better. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been pretty fun to throw. So adding that in there, I, I, which I've thrown for the last two years before, it's been fun to have that one. So I think that just picking that up again, it just feels it's like second nature again. So having a good slider with, with the curveball and the fastball and the changeup now, it's, it'll be fun. Well, best of luck in continued development. We look forward to watching you wearing the red, white, and blue at Team USA. And good luck in that qualifier. Thank you, Neil. It'll be fun to go represent. And that's Durham pitcher Joe Ryan. And he is not the only player in the Rays organization in an Olympic qualifier. Trevor Brigden is a pitcher with Team Canada who now joins us. Trevor, thanks very much for a few minutes. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Tell me how you found out about all this and what it means to you. I got a, a phone call from uh, Greg Hamilton. We were on the uh, on the road. I was with the Charleston River Dogs. We were playing in Columbia, and I got a phone call asking if I wanted to participate, you know, and play for Team Canada. So, you know, anytime an opportunity like that comes up, I uh, I hopped right on it and, uh, and and took the chance. Had you ever represented in Team Canada before, either, let's say, it, you know, the the 18 U's, 16 U's, any of those junior levels before this, or is this your first chance? Uh, this is actually my first time through. So I, I, I hadn't got a chance before, you know, at, for the junior national team or anything like that. So this is my first time being able to represent Canada. How much does it mean to you, especially with the chance to help your team qualify for the Olympics? Uh, you know, it means the world. Anytime you get the chance to uh, represent Canada, it, it means the world to me to be able to, uh, to represent. You've had uh, a fairly unique journey. Um, first of all, what was last year like for you? Because you, like so many other minor leaguers, didn't have a chance to play. And it would have been, what, your first full season in, in pro ball? Yeah, it would have been my first full season. So I was uh, I did my whole off season back in uh, Toronto uh, in the lockdown. Luckily, I got to train at a place called uh, NRS with some of the national team athletes that I'm playing with now. So I, I was training there all off season and uh, that got me ready for the season this year. Tell me what types of things you did and are you much, we don't know a lot about you because you know you were just drafted in 19, but um, how much different are you, let's say from when you were drafted in terms of the work you put in? From me being drafted to this point now, you know, it's all about uh, pitch development for myself, you know, just trying to progress along in my career. So, you know, it's not so much about gaining velocity anymore. It's about developing all my pitches. So, you know, training this off season, I was training uh, with Greg Byron. He's a pitching coach up in Canada. So me and him were putting in a lot of work, working on uh, different pitches and, you know, developing those pitches more and more. So that was kind of the, my off season back in, uh, back in Canada. Your first nine innings with uh, Charleston so far this year, you've what struck out 23 batters. What has uh, evolved for you to be able to have that kind of success? 
Um, you know, just really knowing what plays and, uh, and how my pitches play. So I'm a high spin rate guy. So, you know, I've really been working the top of the zone well back in uh, Charleston. And uh, I developed a new pitch down in uh, spring training, a cutter. So I've been using that on the bottom of the zone. And uh, I've been having a lot of success in, in Charleston with those. Tell me how helpful the Rays have been with pitch development for you, Trevor. The Rays have been a great help. You know, they we have a new place called the Lab back at uh, spring training. And we have all the all the whistles and doodads there to uh, develop our pitches. So, you know, I, I was able to get in there a couple of times this spring training. And uh, we were working on a bunch of things. And, and tell me a little bit about, you know, just your background in the game. And are there a lot of guys on the Team Canada group that you know or you're excited to get to meet? Um, I didn't know too many guys on Team Canada before... Uh, getting here, you know, there was a handful of guys, Connor Panis and uh, a couple others that I knew before. And, you know, once I got here, there were some names that I recognized from uh, big league rosters that used to play. So now now I get to sit with them in the bullpen and chat with them in the dugout. So it's been a great experience so far. And as a, a baseball player in Canada, obviously, there's certainly a lot more people to play other sports, including hockey. How did you get into the game and what ignited your passion for the sport? Uh, you know, when I, was a, when I was a young kid, it was just a neighbor that, uh, that really got me into playing the game. So it kind of just started like that. And, you know, all my friends were playing also during the summers. So, you know, that's how I really got started playing. It was just the fr- my friends in the neighborhood. They were all playing baseball during the summer. It kind of just progressed from there. And always a pitcher? Uh, I, I was playing infield at one point, you know, third base during high school and whatnot. And then the bat started to fade a little bit as, as it tends to do for some guys. So I, I, I turned to the mound and that's where I found success. Well, hopefully a lot of success with Team Canada and a lot more success with the race organization during the course of the year. Uh, congratulations on a terrific honor and uh, uh, hopefully more success later on this season. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And that's Trevor Brigden, pitcher in the race system. Again, he's part of Team Canada in the upcoming Olympic qualifier. Coming up, Colin Pochet and his Tommy John rehab and Mark Simon from Sports Info Solutions on the race defensively. You're listening to This Week in Race Baseball on the Race Baseball Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and we thought from time to time it really would be good to get race fans up to date on how some of the guys who are recovering from injury are doing, and certainly one of those is Colin Pochet. And Colin, uh, how are you? And great to chat with you. I'm doing well, Neil. It's uh, it's good to talk to you again. Um, you know, rehab's going well, and we're putting the work in, and hopefully hopefully getting closer to, to that time we can get back on the field. What have you advanced to to this point? Obviously, everybody's Tommy John recovery period is different. Yeah, um, so today I went back to 105 feet today playing catch for the first time. So um, that was good. I think I <clears throat> I think I have a couple weeks here, uh, moving back to 120 feet, a couple weeks there, and then we start, you know, moving into the uh, the mound portion of the throwing phase. So I'm um, really looking forward to that, just getting back on the, the mound again and feeling the slope. And, and it's just like, you know, it's just a big step towards getting back. Because you are uh, recovering with both yourself and Jalen Beeks and Yanni Chirinos, has that helped you through the process a little bit? Um, absolutely. Um, we're always, you know, talking to each other about, you know, how we felt and different different little things you feel in your arm that maybe you didn't feel before and just just kind of talking about, you know, how do how do we stay motivated and, you know, just kind of 
even like supporting each other when, you know, you have those bad days in rehab where stuff doesn't feel good. So it's definitely a, a tough process, but, you know, I'm thankful to have some other guys there with me to, to go along with it. And you've been through this process before. How different is it from the first time? This one, this one has been a lot different. You know, on my first one, uh, when I started throwing, I actually, I felt great. Um, the ball was coming out really well. And then um, I got to 120 feet and hit a roadblock. And, you know, my, my elbow started bothering me on, on the outside of it. And I actually, you know, had to kind of go get it cleaned up again. Um, whereas this one, kind of when I started throwing, it, it didn't really feel great at the beginning. And, and we've kind of been, you know, having to work through some stuff just to kind of, to kind of, you know, get things to cooperate and, you know, nothing, nothing with the elbow. It's just, you know, maybe a little shoulder pain here, you know, a little just kind of weird feelings in your arm that you're not used to. But, um, you know, when you take that extended time off, I think for me, it was eight months of not throwing, you know, that that's to be expected. You got to kind of retrain all the muscles and tendons around your shoulder and elbow to kind of accept that stress again. Now, you had the earliest surgery of the three because you got hurt right at the end of summer camp last year. Colin, do you have any hopes of being able to pitch at some level by the end of the year or is the thought process just like Yanni and Jalen that it's for next year so yeah I, I was the first one but you know like you said being with it being my second Tommy John my my rehab schedule is a little more pushed back so I'm actually a little farther behind than those guys maybe by a couple weeks um, you know I think Yanni's farthest ahead and um, Jalen is you know maybe a weeks or a month ahead of me so um, I'm, I'm pretty much looking looking at the same plan that they're on for the most part. The only reason I had asked that is because you'd been a short reliever, so I didn't know if this, you know, how that works in terms of, you know, in, in Yanni's case, uh, he's been a starter. In Jalen's case, he's been starter and multi-inning reliever. I didn't know if the ramp up is different for each of you from that regard. Yeah, once so once you get through your um, <clears throat> like the the throwing program that the doctor gives you, then and you start building up more towards you know specifically for your role. So when we get to that part, it'll obviously move a little faster for me. Um, you know, obviously not having to to try to get ready to throw you know three innings or more like like maybe those other guys might be doing. So. Um, that is a positive to it, but but I'm still just a little behind those guys. Tell me what has been most helpful to you through this process and who's been most helpful. We touched on, uh, you know, both Yanni and Jalen, how they've benefited you. Yeah, they, they've been great. I think to say anyone else than other than Paul Harker would, you know, be a mistake because he's just been awesome. You know, he, he's juggling so many different guys, but he's it's never sacrificing time with any individual guy. He's if it's not even your day to do rehab or throw, but, you know, you need treatment just to get yourself feeling right. He always, you know, carves out some time in the day for you. And um, he's just been awesome. He's so so knowledgeable about everything and has been through this process with guys before. So anything you're feeling or anything you want to talk about, he's he's come across it before. And, you know, he's steady. He's the same guy every day. And it just it makes it easier to get through kind of all the work that we have to do. And you're getting married soon, too. And you got a home now in the area, right? Correct. Yeah, we are. We're getting married in November. We have a, a little over six month old puppy too, a little uh, English cream golden retriever who's who's taking up a lot of our time and roaming around the new house. How much does that help? I mean, from a mental state, you know, you you've got the your mind occupied with the wedding coming up. You've got a dog. You know, it, it definitely helps. Um, it, see, the dog has been, you know, keeping me busy during the day. 
you know, whereas before I would kind of just go home and basically kind of just sit around until the Rays game started so I could watch. But it's definitely nice, but there's there's still that piece missing that you just you miss getting out there on the field. You miss competing with your guys. And, um, you know, it's it's still just a little weird. I'm, I'm usually the first one through rehab in the morning when we have home games. It's like I'm finishing up my work as guys are showing up for the game. So it's still a little strange and a little weird, but um, I definitely have a great, you know, great support system at home to kind of keep me level headed and everything. Do you stick around for the home games, though? just to watch or do you watch them from home? Uh, you know, I usually watch them from home just because I think Harker, Paul Harker usually starts me at like eight in the morning or so. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm wrapping my work up around like one or two getting out of there then. And then, you know, I'll watch them. I'll watch them at home, but uh, it, it would be nice, you know, to stick around for some of the games and, you know, hang out in the dugout, but we've got, with COVID still, you know, going on, there's there's rules and restrictions and they're trying to keep numbers low to just keep everybody safe and on the field. So I would imagine with, with this group, you know, now um, at that 85% number, there comes a point where hopefully restrictions get relaxed and that would allow you to, to be with your teammates a little bit more. I haven't heard too much about where we're at on that, but, um, you know, with just some of the player moves we make too, that it, it's possible that, you know, maybe we trade a guy who is vaccinated and, and bring someone in who's not. So it's, it's an 80, it's a fluid 85% number from, from the way I understand it, but we're definitely looking forward to getting those uh, restrictions relaxed. And Colin, have you like, obviously we know what you were like as a pitcher and how helpful you were to this group. Are there things that you hope to change when you come back? Or are you going to be the same guy? I mean, Obviously, fastball top of the zone with great extension, all that kind of stuff. Is that kind of how you see yourself going forward? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely have to get back to that. That's that's who I am, and you know that's that's what's gotten me to the level, and and that's what's going to keep me there. So we definitely need to you know develop that, get the fastball back. You know, I think I think obviously we need to get the slider going as well. And there's a couple slight mechanical changes I'm trying to make just to put myself in better positions to, you know, hopefully avoid injuries in the future. But I know a lot of that is just, is just kind of, it's stuff to worry about in the future. You know, the the main priority is just making sure your body can, you know, withstand the ability to throw 90 miles an hour plus, you know, multiple times a week. Once we get to that stage, you know, I can, I can start working with Kyle Snyder more. And if there's, you know, a new pitch they want me to implement, or if we want to, you know, try to change the slider up a little bit, then we can definitely cross that road when we get there. But there's, there's still a lot of work to be done just to get to that point. Well, it's good that you've gotten to this point. Nice to hear you're at 105 feet and climbing and, and hopefully from here on out, it's a very smooth rehab and a lot of success to you. Hopefully. Thank you, Neil. And that's Rays reliever Colin Pochet, and we wish him continued success in his recovery from Tommy John surgery. Now, the Rays rank near the top of the majors in most defensive metrics, and joining me from Sports Info Solutions is one Mark Simon. Mark, it's probably not a big surprise that the Rays are performing well defensively, but what stands out to you about the numbers? I think, as you said, not a surprise. The, the team seems to have a system in place, as it does for everything, whether it's hitting, pitching, fielding, uh, that allows it to be successful. The Rays tend to be among the sharper teams when it comes to defensive positioning, and they don't play a lot of players that would hurt you in the field. Like everyone on the team, for the most part, there there's maybe one or two exceptions. Most of the time, the nine that are going to be on the field, there's no one there that you would be like, oh boy, don't hit the ball to them. 
And I think if you can put out a, a lineup like that in the field, uh, you're going to be in pretty good shape as a team because it probably means, too, that they're good at other things, too. No question. And there are a couple of guys who have stood out so far this year and maybe, I don't know, a mild surprise that probably the most productive defenders um, by your analytics right now are Manuel Margot and uh, Randy Rosarena, right? I'm not entirely sure of what to make of that, but it certainly bodes well when it comes to the idea of catching balls. And I'm looking at the numbers now, as of when we're talking, the Rays are top five in terms of catching fly balls, meaning if the ball stayed in the park and it was hit in the air, whether it was hit as a line drive or a fly ball, the Rays rank four, and that's a solid four. They could uh, That could fluctuate over a couple of days. It could be seven tomorrow. It could be three tomorrow. But you want to be in the upper uh, levels of that. You would expect that, I suppose, when you have Kiermaier playing every day. And I guess it's a really nice sign. It's not just a him stat that uh, Manuel Margot, Brett Phillips certainly helps uh, being out in the outfield. And you mentioned Arena, who's made a couple of nifty catches this year. Uh, that I have seen on uh, MLB Network's top plays. Yeah, he has. And in Kiermaier's case, he's been on the injured list twice. So I would imagine that probably, when does a guy qualify? Uh, Like in batting average, we know you need a certain amount of plate appearances a day. How does it figure out for your defensive numbers? So for defensive runs saved, it's it's a cumulative total. So in theory, you qualify as start as soon as you start accumulating anything. There are some situations where we look at like the top 35 guys in terms of the number of innings played, but for the most part, it's the grand scheme of everything. So it's funny, there's a player on the Blue Jays, Santiago Espinal, uh, who only had like 75 innings, but he had a really good 75 innings. So he was among the defensive run save leaders at third base with the guys that are at the, at the top of the National League and the American League. But it, I guess it kind of depends on how you look at it. But you can look at it the same way that you would look at home runs, I suppose. It, it makes sense. And from, a, from an infield standpoint, with obviously the trade of Willie Adamas, the Rays have a lot of confidence in Taylor Walls and his ability to play on the dirt. But at least based on, you know, performance to this point, Joey Wendell would be the best among the group right now, right? Yeah, that that's typical for him. It's funny, I'm looking at the infielder defensive run save numbers and I'm seeing a lot of ones and twos, which means they're doing you know, they're doing all right. They're not as I said, they're not hurting the team. They're turning batted balls into outs. They're doing things that they're supposed to be doing at their specific position. If that's Shortstop second base, that means when the ball's hit in a double play spot and the ball's hit to you, you get the double play. Uh, When you're playing third base, that could mean defending the bunt, even if not that many people in the American League bunt. But it's uh, at first base, it would be fielding uh, difficult throws uh, thrown by your infielders. Everyone at the the worst, other than Brandon Lau, is kind of like a zero, which is good. And at this point in the season, ones and twos are are perfectly fine. You mentioned Brandon Lau. It was a little surprising to me that he is as below average as he is because he's been an excellent defender uh, the last couple of years. Yeah, there was no reason like to be like considerably alarmed by that. If you look at his first 140-ish games at second base, he definitely rates above average by our stats. Uh, good at turning the double play, decent at getting to balls. This year, uh, there seem to be some issues going uh, both to his left and to his right. And just the way to imagine how our our numbers work, you get, it's essentially a point system. You get points for making a play, you lose points for missing a play that should that our system views that you should have been, that you should have made. And that's something like, imagine you're playing second base and a ball is hit two feet to the right of you. That should be like a 90% out, right? If you miss that play, 
you're getting docked for blowing what was a 90% out. Whereas if you make that play, you're only getting a small reward. Right now, the penalties outweigh the rewards for Brandon Lau. I think that of a 43-game sample, there's certainly plenty of time to turn that around. I've seen good defensive players rack up 8, 9, 10 defensive runs saved in a month. It would not be out of the realm of possibility that he gets back to zero reasonably quickly uh, and then maybe even winds up in the positive. And from a defensive standpoint, the Rays after Sunday's game will have played a third of the season. Is it general that if you're a good defensive team, that's not going to change a whole lot? You're still going to be a good defensive team regardless of the uh, short slumps you may go into as a group? Yeah, I think that our, our general standard is like half the season is the point at which you would say, okay, we think we can say we feel confident. But I think given Tampa Bay's track record, the fact that Kiermaier eventually comes back, the fact that Brett Phillips isn't suddenly going to get considerably worse. The fact that Margot isn't going to get worse or Wendell's not going to get worse. There's no reason to believe that certain key people are going to suddenly plummet in defensive value. I would also say this, if you're the Rays and you're like fifth in defensive runs saved, there probably isn't that much difference between being fifth and being eighth. There is difference between fifth and 15th. So if you did drop a spot or two or three, it's not really that big of a deal. the, The teams at the top, that top eight to 10. Those are your really good defensive teams. And there might not be that much separation between them. Mark, good stuff. We certainly appreciate a few minutes this week on this week in race baseball. You got it. And a special thanks to Mark Simon of Sports Info Solutions, as well as all of our other guests on the program today. Brett Phillips, race outfielder, for joining us on his birthday. Doug Wechter from Bally Sports Sun. Race prospects Joe Ryan and Trevor Brigden, both of whom are in Olympic qualifiers for the U.S. and Canada, respectively, and also rehabbing left-hander Colin Pochet. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me. Do so at Neil Solons. Hey, the Race Rookies Kids Club presented by Outback Steakhouse is back with Swagger. Kids receive a duffel bag, American League Championship socks, and also access to exclusive digital experiences with race players and staff. Memberships are limited, so join today. RaceBaseball.com slash RaceRookies and race up. Next week, we hope to sit down with Austin Meadows and a whole lot more. Thanks to my producer today, Rob Roman. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. Rays and Phillies coming up on the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. On! And the Rays jump in front, four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. With first and second, the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss! Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.